We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly to let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now, on to my guest for today, Dontitia Seymour, founder of Creation Nation. Dontitia Seymour's goal is to help a million people develop their ideas into products. In the midst of campaigning for local office in Florida, Dontitia realized that she had an idea for a marketable product, a glove that holds your smartphone while working out. She dropped out of politics and instead devoted all her time and energy to developing her product. She eventually succeeded and after selling the patent, went on to create a system to help other inventors build and patent their ideas. While she previously followed the rules, she realized that it was better off throwing out those old outdated rules about product development into the trash bin. As an African-American woman, Donchicia helps others like her by setting an example and providing support, encouragement, and guidance to go after their dreams and make entrepreneurship a reality. Donchicia credits the help of Kickstarter campaigns and a business accelerator to help her business grow and to take on the next steps of her 
growth. Now, let's get better together. Donticia Seymour, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jari. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know uh, we're all kind of busy nowadays, even though most of the time we're spent in front of Zoom, <laughs> which almost ninety percent of our time is spent in front of Zoom. We are busy sitting still. I know, and <laughs> and I'm yeah, I'm not too big a fan of that. Um, I yeah. wish I my original idea for this podcast was that I would literally would be in person with people having mm-hmm. coffee with a recorder. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> that that would be, been really nice. Would have yeah. been really cool. Uh, but then you know, COVID happened, and yep. that that went out the window pretty quick. So yeah, very um, quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. But uh but yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey uh to okay. what you're doing today because it's super interesting. Thank you. So what I do is very unique. So as you know, I'm a patented inventor. I wasn't always an inventor. I wasn't always someone who wanted to be an inventor. In fact I actually went to college for politics. Oh really? Um, politics. Yeah. Yeah, I got a degree in politics and and then a couple of advanced degrees in politics <laughs> and worked for uh, a mayor and a governor and was running for city council when oh, I wow. had the idea. Yeah, I was in politics. Wow. Like, I was deep I, in it. I definitely I want had, to talk more about that. I had gubernatorial aspirations. Like I should be running for the governor's like seat next year if I had done things the way that I wanted to do it. Right. Wow. Um, that's not what happened, though. Seven years ago, I had an idea for a product. And um, in the middle of my city council race, I was running for city council at large in Jacksonville, which is like a mini mayoral race. It's literally the entire city still, right? And so I'm running for office. I have this idea because I'm also a fitness enthusiast, fanatic at the time. Um, And I was trying to keep track of my phone while I was working out. So I created something called Mobility Apparel which allows you to, um, it was first a glove that you put on the back of your hand or a glove with the case on the back of the hand. And then there were all these pairs of pockets in it. So I'm that girl, right? Who invented the place for phones to go when you work out. Um, And so I had that idea, just threw it out there to my social media, not really expecting much from it. Everybody went crazy about it. And so I was like, yo, I'm going to do a Kickstarter campaign. And if this Kickstarter campaign funds, I'm going to drop out of the race and then revisit this at another time because I can always run for office. This may be my million dollar idea. You don't always have an opportunity to make a lot of money. Um, Three days later, funded that campaign in full. Wow. Dropped out of the race, Jari, on a Friday. On Monday, the incumbent dropped out. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Incumbent dropped out. It becomes an open seat race with nobody registered. Some no name registered and won the race. Wow. Nuts. Wow. Wow. Nuts. But it speaks about like how we are exactly where we're supposed to be when we're in that moment, right? Like, because if I hadn't done that, I'd be sitting probably in some boring meeting right now. (laughs) Like, (laughs) on Zoom. (laughs) On Zoom. Right. Um, not living right. this amazing, incredible life, not helping other inventors build their products. And I know we didn't really truly introduce myself, so I'll just do it really quickly. So I'm Don TCA Seymour, chief inventor and founder of Creation Nation. I help aspiring inventors build and launch their products. And we have this like crazy audacious goal, audacious goal to help 1 million inventors and innovators bring their products to life. 
Yeah. So it's a really big goal. That's Completely impressive. different from impressive. like zoning and ordinances. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or or so I so just I I'm in lo- involved in local politics sometimes in okay. San Francisco. So okay. I used to be on some of these community boards as well as city yep. boards. And I can attest to the fact that there are times where it is absolutely unquestionable that we have no idea why we're there <laughs> because like, the people, it's just because we have to, no, you know, no clue. No clue. Half the, half the meetings were unnecessary. Exactly. exactly. Required by yeah. statute yep. or ordinance. Yep, right. By ordinance, yep. So it was just like, we're just sitting here wasting the taxpayers dollars just to do this meeting that's required, but there's nothing really on the agenda. So let's just make something up for the next hour and a half. <laughs> so we can say we did our job. Yeah, no. And so like, it led me down this path of like invention and innovation. I knew nothing about it. So of course that first year I blew a ton of money trying to figure it out, like it was $30,000 in the hole after raising all of this money. So went into the negative. So spent all of that and then some. Um, was fortunate enough to get in, in a, a program at the Chamber of Commerce in Jacksonville that taught me how to run a business. Wow. Um, and then also Stanford, for the one and only time ever, offered how to start a startup online that was led by Sam Altman. He is the founder, as you know, out of San Francisco, of Y Combinator, the number one accelerator in the world. And he did How to Start a Startup. I believe that was in 2014, if I'm not mistaken, either 2013, 2014, that fall semester. And so every Tuesday and Thursday, I took a class for three hours for free and learned all about like the startup world and starting a small business. And eventually figured it out somehow. <laughs> and here we are. Wow. Wow. I mean, there's so much that uh, we could talk about. I mean, yeah, there is. Well, I mean, what's interesting. So like I, you know, I, in a former life used to do, I mean, I still do startups, but in a former life, I I had a lot of patents. I still do. I have about 10. Yeah. I filed, I think I've got filed or issued at least 10 patents. Um, Mr. Inventor. (laughs) Well, this is the first time, like, Hello, fellow inventor. Yeah, hello, fellow inventor. And um, what, what's super interesting is that, um, you know, that process is, uh, it can be pretty daunting. Yes. Uh, a lot of times when a new inventor has something they think is a good idea, and then they're like, I want to file a patent. Uh, you know, they like, oh, there's tens of thousands of dollars if you get a lawyer. I mean, it's a, it's a whole process, right? And um, so how how... Like, like, so how, how do you approach that part of it? Because there are uh, lots of different ways to um, protect intellectual property, lots of different yeah. ways to, uh, you know, file patents. You could do it on yeah. your own. You could go online. You could file an attorney. So how, how, did, how do you kind of approach it? Yeah. So for me, I follow the rules, right? Because there was no one teaching me anything. So I had to kind of just like figure it out the way it's been done over the last hundred years. Um, and I followed the rules. And then when I decided to help other inventors after, cause I did sell my company. So I did sell my company about three years later. Um, and after I did that, I decided to break the rule book and just like toss it in the trash, burn it, set it on fire, <laughs> whole thing. Right. Because it just didn't, it wasn't relevant in like today's innovative society. There was an easier, faster, quicker way to get through this process. And so what I did was I took a beta group of 10 people through what I thought was the best way to do it and fine tune the process to where we can get our product developed in under six months for less than $2,000. Right. 
And so that's what we do. So we actually take them through the entire process. We start them off with a provisional patent. Because as you know, that's cheap. Yep. It's quick. It's quick. It's yep. 70 bucks for most people. Yep. Right. So it's quick. It's easy. It still protects them as they're building their product. And then once they've built the product and they can beta test it, get it out there, get some feedback, maybe make some money, do a Kickstarter campaign, then they can hire an attorney and pay $5,000, $10,000 for the non-provisional long-term patent. So that way they're not wasting money up front. They're actually paying for that long-term patent once they've already validated their idea. So we're telling people to do it the way that the legal industry is telling them not to do it. They're like... Protect your idea first. Someone's going to steal it, which we both know. No one's going to steal your idea. Nope, nope. Nobody, Nobody's doing their own thing. They're not creating their own ideas. They're not following their own dreams. They're not going to invest in yours all of a sudden, mm. right? It's still your idea. Yeah. So. No, totally. Sorry. Yeah. So they're not going to do your thing if they're not even doing their thing. So I, I tell people all the time, listen, let's go in and get you protected for the next year. And then we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Right. And then we figure out what they need from there, which engineers, which designers, whether or not it can be 3D printed, whether or not it's textile and it can be just a small batch manufacturer. And we just take them through the process and we have this down now. I'm seven years into this. So I have this down to like a fine tuned machine. We currently have 374 inventors building their product simultaneously right now. Whoa. So we got this down to science. Sorry. <laughs> got it down to science. Love the process. Trust the process yeah. is what I always like to say. Yeah, I mean, no, that's that's actually really great advice on the provisional uh, patent approach. Uh, a lot of people think, and I, I've I've met so many people who are like, "Oh, I got to file this patent. Someone's going to steal my idea, my idea, my idea, my idea." And I'm like, "Look, your idea is worthless. It's execution <laughs> that matters on an idea." Exactly. Because exactly. without execution, it there's nothing to protect, right? Exactly. It's just an idea. Yeah, it's just an idea. There are tons of those floating around. Exactly. Everywhere, every day. Exactly. So, so oh wow. So, th- over 300 inventors are kind of in your process in your pipeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, it? Do you just do it as sort of like a pay for service? Is there like how does the how does the, your process work? In terms yeah, of so no, work. we're we're one hundred percent consulting. So we pay for we're paying for service. So we have a program that they go through, and we're we have a team that supports them through that process. Uh, my team is actually graduates of the program, so they've gone through, they've built products themselves, and they sold their products. So I, I realized that in order for me to grow this company, I had to duplicate myself <laughs> and create an army of really smart inventors. And so there's just a, they're literally in the seven step process. And obviously in those seven steps, there's 20 broken down steps, right? Right, right, right. But there's seven umbrella steps and they all go through each step and they're building their products and their prototypes or their prototypes along the way. They do the patent search first and they do the provisional patent filing, the design, engineering, prototyping, beta testing, funding of some sort if they want, and then manufacturing. Yeah. So it's, that umbrella and because we have it to where it's spelled out like very clearly like fill out this form and then there's a two-minute video of me filling out the form <laughs> like no room for question <laughs> literally there's me like type your name here address goes here print this form out fax it to this number that's circled here yeah. it's also above the video yeah. like it's very it's very fifth grade like you can do this. Yeah, Sesame Street simple is what I like yes, to say. Yes, Sesame Street simple. I'm going to use that. Yeah, no, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, that's really important. I I, I like the, the, the thing that's just super interesting, again, since I've done this patent process both mm-hmm. um, 
at startups and at big companies. Yeah. What is super fascinating is as you do this more and more, you, you're right. You, you sort of get the rhythm and you kind of get yeah. what, as an example, what matters and what doesn't matter in a patent. Yep. Um, a lot of times uh, people, you know, I was at this one seminar once was a big company and there was a patent attorney and he's just like, look, anything's patentable. And everyone's like, no, oh, that can't be true. He's like, no, everything is patentable. It just depends on how much effort you want to put into it. Yep. And he gave the example of a, a hockey puck that was orange. And he's like, this is called the safety puck. And the safety puck is orange for a reason so that you can see it. And he's like, I have a patent on this. <laughs> and they're like, no, seriously, yeah, you're right. Orange right? Stuff, you're right. And then the other thing that was really interesting is that some people think, oh, what I've, what I've built or what I've worked on isn't patentable. And to the same patent attorneys, like if you've spent more than a day trying to solve a problem, chances are you can patent it, which yeah. I also thought was interesting because that's like sort of two sides of it. Like what, you know, what's really the protection about why, why do you really want to file a patent? And some, in some cases, some things you can't file like algorithms is harder. Yeah. To do. Um, but I find it quite, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I th I, well, I like the fact that that the process that you've come up with makes it accessible for people. Because mm -hmm. see, the, the biggest problem with entrepreneurship and invention is this sort of accessibility. This yeah. is the same problem that like authors have. Like, oh, I'm going to write a novel, right? But then you never, you know, you spend two years writing a novel, no one's going to buy it, <laughs> Cause, right? Because yeah. you haven't yeah. done the process of marketing and building a building yeah. an audience, everything. So what I'm getting at is that, so does your process lend itself or your company lend itself to certain types of products or is it pretty much any product you guys can, can take on? Yeah. So we do, we do hard products. And so that was a very tough decision for me because the process actually works on any product. Like once you, I mean, this whole Search, patent, engineer, design, whatever, because the engineers vary based on the type of products, right? Prototype varies who does it based on the type of product, but the process is the same for every single product. But we did decide to limit it. So we only do heart, physical hard goods. So we don't do like um, non perishables. We don't do food. We don't do like uh, hair products or cleaning products, anything that's like chemical compounds, just because that makes us a little liable. And because some, some of that stuff requires FDA regulation. And so it's like, if it requires government approval, that's not something I want to get into. Right. I don't want to get into having certified engineers look at something. So that's a whole other conversation, which I'm fully aware of how to do, but I feel like that's when we would kind of get stuck in the weeds with inventors who came into our program, especially if that access, if that information was available to everyone. Because then everyone's like, well, do I have to have a certified engineer? Do I have to have, you know, and, and it's just, it becomes a distraction. So we, we, when I first started, I did have one person that had a chemical compound product. And I realized that in helping her in that group of, the small group of 10, that they were so distracted by these extra steps that she had to do that everybody was kind of second guessing whether or not they were doing the process right. So we had to kind of make some eliminations there. So we only do focus on um, consumer product, product hard goods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that seems like a good way to go. I mean, there's a lot. Well, like a lot of my patents are on with electronics. Mm -hmm. So building semiconductors, like I used to do that as a job. Mm -hmm. You know, like Bluetooth chips, USB yep. chips, the the stuff in your phone. Yeah. Um, and and s some of the patents are around like the process and make it, and that's all chemistry and all sorts of yeah. stuff. It's really kind of nutty. 
but a lot of the system, what, what, what are called system and method patents, right? Are the ones mm-hmm. like, oh, we put the system together a little bit yeah. different, you know, whereas looks They're like- They're a lot different. They're a lot different. Yeah, yeah. Like Give yourself some credit. They're yeah. a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> They're a lot different than yeah. a- a reversible blanket. Yeah. Well, but, <laughs> like night and day. Yeah, but still, like the it's interesting that the process is almost exactly the same. Yeah. You know, writing the spec and the claims and yep. you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about your former political life. Because okay. I am intrigued yeah. by that, not only because I've met a lot of people that have been in politics and then mm-hmm. said, I'm done, I'm going into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, were some of the, what are some of the skills that translate over? Because it seems yeah. to me that there are some, um, but I'd love to get your take on that. Oh, there are quite a few. Um, so I didn't actually want to ever be an entrepreneur. Let me just start there. I think a lot of people like leave the rat race and are like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. I, and that wasn't my case. Like I really loved politics. I still do. My television is on silent right now, but it's on cable news, right? And like, I wake up to cable news, I go to sleep to cable news. So I still love politics. I'm really, really interested in the process. However, like the opportunity presented itself and I was like, okay, let's do this entrepreneurship thing. The first thing that translated over was the relationship building, the storytelling. Like, all politics is a storytelling, <laughs> right? Tell a story like, we, like the entire degree, like, we had these books, but there were no wrong answers because it was all philosophy based on how you saw the story. If you could defend your point of view on the political spectrum, you were right. There was no wrong answer in political science, right? Now, there may be some wrong answers in governance if you're going to like give us a huge deficit, but there are no wrong answers in the science of politics. And so learning to tell a story was one of the first things we did in, you know, in school. And, and then even in, in work, we, it's all storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, like you're, you're, you're sitting across from people and you're painting a picture and you're creating a narrative for them to get the thing that you want them to do that you feel is in the greater good for the community. Right. And so that's the first thing that translated over for me is because entrepreneurship is all storytelling. Like if you want someone to buy your product, if you want someone to believe in what you're doing, you have to tell them the story. You have to, I mean, for all intents and purposes, sell them a dream. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. And so that's the very first thing that, that was transferable for me. Fortunately, that also transferred on the fundraising side because being able to tell a story uh, and and carry people along on that journey for me, because I actually carried my social media family and friends on the four month journey through prototyping. So by the time we launched the Kickstarter campaign, they were like, where is this thing? You have told us so much. You shared so much. You've taken us on this journey. We're so excited. Like it may be a piece of crap, but we are here. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. And yep. so they bought in. Yeah. Um, so like just I, I think politics is like the best starting ground for entrepreneurship of any any profession out there because even an MBA like you can have an MBA from an Ivy League school but if you can't tell a story to investors they don't care about it you know what I'm saying like if like you can the people who the we works of the world (laughs) those are storytellers the girl who had the blood company the one with the testing like it was a story right she told a story fire festival they sold a story yeah 
And so it's like they had these hundreds of millions and billions of dollars invested into the story. And so if you can learn storytelling, you can sell anything. So that's kind of like. Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) I know. I know when I was doing a bunch of political stuff, you know, for for now, she's now mayor of San Francisco, Mayor Breed, Mayor London Breed. Um, I was on her original uh, district supervisor race, which is probably similar to what you were running for in Jackson. And I just remember (laughs) that was just an eye-opening experience as to, you're right, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just who's more compelling, you know, because you see facts, I see facts. It's like they mean different things to each of us. And you're like, well, no, facts are facts. Like, no, no, they're not. I mean, depending on how you look at it, you know, you can go this way or that way. Um, And you sort of see- Sorry, I tell a friend that I tell a friend that all the time. He's like, "It's not factual." It, it like if you just focus on the facts. I'm like, uh, "Facts are relative. They're relative to who's looking at them. They can be interpreted two different ways. Like you can look at a graph and you can interpret it in two different ways. One person may say we are up by two percent. Another person would say we're only down by eight percent. Right? Depending on the message that you're trying to convey, the facts are relative." Right. And and that's just kind of the world we live in now. Yeah. Especially in politics. I mean, you definitely find that where everyone's trying to spin a different narrative. I mean, even like what you said, you look at cable news and you look at the different spectrum of cable news. Yeah. So you look at the left side and the right side, they take the same facts and come to different conclusions. And you're like, (laughs) we're all, we're living in two different worlds. I mean, clearly, clearly. We're living in two different worlds. I say that all the time. And I actually do go back between both channels because I'm always interested to see the different commercials and like one channel is highly patriotic. And I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I get it because if every commercial is about the flag and big trucks and veterans and we love our I get why they will receive the story that they're receiving, right? Mm-hmm. Because everything is America the great, America the beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And so like that, there's only going to be a positive reaction to that. Mm-hmm. And on another channel, it's like, but we need to show more love to one another. We need, there's so much help that's needed. So I understand why that story resonates, right? With that group of people, because those people are, they, they are, they're buying into the need for America to be better, right? That we're not already our best. And so it's like, it's the same fact, but two different stories just based on like who the people are. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. Yeah. It is. But I do think, and I do agree with you that though, that, as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you have to you have to take those same facts or the facts yeah. of your business and tell a story depending on who you're talking to. So if you're talking yeah. to an investor, they want to hear one thing. Yeah. If you're talking to a customer, they want to hear another thing. If you're talking to yeah. employees, they want to hear another thing. Now, you don't say things that are wrong or misinformed or lying. I mean, just flat right. out. It's it's how the narrative is crafted depending on the audience. Yeah. And yeah. And I just find that so fascinating that a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs don't get that, and it seems to me that you really understand how that works. And the power of that is in being able to tell the story based on the audience and based on the facts at hand. And that was yeah. the yeah. Yeah, it's super important. So I think so. So for two reasons, like people are coming into the into the process and the story at different in different places, right? Different levels, right? The potential customers are coming in and they are skeptical about what they're able to accomplish. 
Like they don't know if this thing can happen. They don't know if they can be their best selves. They don't know if this, if they, if, if it can become a reality. And so there's a lot of overcoming those mental mind blocks. There's a lot of building them up. There's a lot of, I'm here for you to stand in the gap. There's a lot of, this is possible and here's why it's possible. And this is important for your future. And here's why it's important for your future. With my team, it's like, you guys are amazing. You guys are crushing it. You guys are killing it. Just keep being awesome, right? (laughs) Like it's more of that conversation. They don't need to be built up. They just need to be constantly just, you know, confirmed that they're doing the right things. And investors, they need to be told, listen, you're going to be rich. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. You're, you're going to be rich. And here's why. Here's the numbers. Here's what it's doing. They really lean more on the factual. They don't really need the story. You build a story around the true data. Let me say that versus factual. Investors like the data. So you have to tell a story from the data. Hmm. You can give them the heartstrings and all of that stuff. But if you can make the data beautiful, then the investors are in. Right. Yeah. So, interesting. With, yeah. The, with the customers, you got to focus on the drama. When the investors, you got to focus on the data. Interesting. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Cause I, uh, you know, a common persuasion, you know, way back in, I think it's Aristotle that came up with the persuasion mm-hmm. model. He had actually three ways to persuade. There was the, the pathos, the ethos, and the logos. Mm-hmm. The pathos was the emotion, appeal I to the emotion. Pathos. Well, I love talking to smart people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, the reason is I'm, I'm kind of, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to write another book about this sort of stuff. So that's why it's a top of mind. So uh, pathos is the emotional appeal. Um, yeah. he, he, had, he had thought that the emotional appeal is the strongest appeal to bring people to your side, right? Yeah. Uh, then there's the ethos and the ethos is your bona fides, like credibility. And mm-hmm. I think, I think part of what you're talking about with, with investors, it's both credibility. And then there's the last one, which is the logos. The logos is the logic, the data, the, mm-hmm. it, it kind of seals the deal. So yeah. what, what's super interesting is what, when you talk about what you do with your company, um, you know, the, the appeal to the, to the pathos, the emotion is directly mm-hmm. followed by the logos. Like yeah. it's, it's like, we can get this to you because I, my guess is a lot of people when they do come to you and, and I do like the way you frame it as someone's going to work with you. They need to know that they made the right decision, right? Cause yeah. they're like spending money. Yeah. <laughs> this is the yeah. hardest part. All customers have this, this problem, right? Yeah. You appeal to their emotion and mm-hmm. then you pull them in and you say, Hey, I know what I'm doing. And then you say, this is what it's going to cost. Well, not just that. I know what I'm doing. Let me show you what I'm doing. Right. So I do. I know what I'm doing. Let me show you what I'm doing. And then let me show you ah, 15, 20 people who are just like you who've done it. Right. And those, those people, they span the gamut of ages, races, gender. So it's not just like a cookie cutter. This is only for you know women at, at this age. It's like These are people from all ages, all backgrounds, and they've done it too. And this is what it took for them to get it done. But just because I know you're scared, we're going to hold your hand every step of the way. And then I'm going to do the one thing no one else does. I'm going to guarantee that if you hold my hand, you will walk away with the product or I'll refund your money. Wow. If you let go, can't do anything. Yeah, it's true. You got to hold my hand. Yeah. Right. And so like, that's kind of like the story. <laughs> well, following the process and you yeah. confident in the process. I mean, you've done it yeah. over three Because it works. Times. So far, it hasn't, it hasn't not worked yet. Wow. Are you seeing more and more people wanting to, to invent stuff during the COVID pandemic or? 
I see more and more people having the time. Hmm. I don't I don't think the the desire has changed much. Um, the interest level has been the same. My conversions have been higher. <laughs> like, oh, okay. It's like we we get the same amount of interest that we've always gotten. It's just more people are pulling the trigger now than before. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think a lot of the uncertainty around, you know, just like what's to come with with businesses and who's going to be laid off and people wanting to take control of their income by having a you know, physical product that they can sell you know, that doesn't take a lot of energy out of them once it's developed, right? And they all understand that it's going to take six to 12 months to get to a point to where they're seeing money and they know that. And so they're like, let me, let me shore myself up just in case this happens, something else happens next year. So I think what happened was we saw a lot of people who were home. Hmm. Um, a lot of our, our, and, that, and this was funny because a chart came out, a statistical chart came out this morning that anyone who had a bachelor's degree or higher, less than, it was 0.01% lost their job. So mm-hmm. less than 1% lost their job for those. And, and most of the people who, who do end up in our program, they do have a degree or higher, so they are still working. Right. Right. And they're like, I'm working now, but I'm not really sure where this is going to go, what this company is going to do. And so let me go ahead and invest in this idea. I've been, you know, I've had in the back of my head for all this time. Now I will say, I do weave that into my training. <laughs> so I, I do weave the pandemic conversation into my training. Yeah. I do talk about the uncertainty of tomorrow yeah. in the training. Yeah. I mean, no, I think that's great. I mean, that the, the, I, I personally feel that entrepreneur skills or 21st century skills that everyone should know every yeah. single person. And uh, a lot of the, the things I do now, you know, everyone knows that I, I run this PR and marketing firm that was my late wife's who she passed mm-hmm. away uh, three years ago from leukemia. Um, she, she did share her business revolved around professional athletes, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she ran their foundation. So some, you know, she used to help Marshawn Lynch and Josh Johnson with Fam First Family out in Oakland, Dontari Poe, you know, Mari Sotomayor, all these athletes. And yeah. one of the things that she started before she passed on was this idea of helping those communities with entrepreneurship skills. So yeah. pretty much every year we do this thing called Founders Camp. We do it in Memphis. We're trying to expand it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, th- throughout the country. Um, and it's targeted specifically at middle school and high school kids from communities, mostly of color, where mm-hmm. they don't have the resources, the opportunity. And and it's really been shocking how um, little it takes mm-hmm. to enable someone to like follow their dream. And and it's not even their dream. It's they don't even know what's possible, which, they which, don't even know. which breaks my heart. Like th- this was yeah. the thing that, you know, this- I didn't know. I didn't know, Jari. I had no clue. That's why yeah. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur because yeah. I did not see successful entrepreneurship growing up. Like I just saw that the best way to live life was to get an education and get a really good job and try to stay in it for as long as possible. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship, you know, and so it wasn't it was a happy accident for me. But I was I was also in a position to where I was highly educated at that point, And I knew that I had my education to fall back on. Right. I knew I had my network and my connections to fall back on. So I felt a little more comfortable jumping out into, you know, that water. But I think if I had been exposed to it, I probably would have done it a lot sooner, quite honestly. Hmm. I was terrified of it. (laughs) (laughs) So just, yeah, yeah, I'm still terrified of it. (laughs) I've been doing it for 25 (laughs) years. (laughs) I just can't help myself. 
Um, I, I, I like to say I'm, I'm just completely unemployable and unmanageable. So I need I swear, to, that's where I am. <laughs> I need to do right. my own thing. That's where I am in my life right now. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. Are you seeing a lot more, uh, you know, people of color, minority groups mm-hmm. coming into the program or have you traditionally seen more? Up yeah. To so we're predominantly, um, African-American oh, okay. and that's probably because of, uh, uh, Nikki Giovanni's book, Why Do All the Black Kids Sit Together in the Cafeteria, right? Like attracts like. Mm-hmm. So because I'm like, I typically attract, you know, people who look like me. And um, so my customers initially looked predominantly like me. And that's kind of starting to skew as we're growing significantly. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we're still about 90% um, African-American. But that's starting to skew. We used to be like 99.5%. Now we're 90%. I project probably in the next two to three years, we'll probably drop down about 50%. And that's just because we just added a tech component. So we just added a SaaS platform to automate the entire process. Wow. All the things that I was saying on video will now be able to, because I created an algorithm. <laughs> it's if you I want to created, patent it, if you want to patent it, it's it's a system and method. <laughs> I created a system and method that now it actually takes the products um, and it uses that algorithm and it matches them with the right engineers, designers, and manufacturers. They can build their team on our SaaS platform and they can build their product through that, manage it, pay for everything. And then we monitor and make sure they're okay. So, wow. yeah. So we're, we're, we're going to be scaling. We're, I'm actually in an accelerator right now. Oh, I'm really? actually in a tech accelerator um, and quietly in, in, in a series, a round of funding. Cool. Um, it's really exciting stuff. It's happening very fast. Uh, it was not, I did, I just, I'm telling you, I did not expect the things to pop so quickly, but COVID also, um, it exposed something in our domestic manufacturing system that yes. my platform answers and yes. not centralizing and coordinating domestic manufacturing. And so now Super if someone important. needs a million products, we'll be able to coordinate six or seven manufacturing houses to get those out in four to week, in four weeks. Yeah. No, that's so people are like, it's great. We want in, we want to write you checks, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's a little weird, huh? It is very weird. <laughs> my coach said it's my new normal. I was like, okay, yeah, it's so fascinating because yeah. a lot of people that have never had to go fundraise or like had people say, I want to invest. Um, mm-hmm. it's a bit, it's a bit weird. Cause like most people, the big, probably the biggest purchase they'll ever make is either a car or a house yep. and they'll go to the bank or they'll go mm-hmm. to the credit union and they'll sign a bunch of paperwork and then they'll be like, okay, you know, it's the most that they've ever kind of go through a financing yeah. and there's like yeah. millions of other ways to get money. Yeah. Um, and so- yeah, well, that's great. I mean, I am that. I did not know. That's awesome. Because well, that's, that's kind of that's, that's news. I, I mean, I've made a soft announcement on social media. I haven't made a big announcement because the Accelerate, our demo day is in November. And so we'll make the big announcement right around demo day. And cool. like I said, we we had people offering checks and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, give me all the money. But like, this is something that really is going to revolutionize how we 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 produce products in the United States. And it's exciting, not just because it creates order in a system where there was no order, but it also, like you said, gives access to people yeah. who did not have access to manufacturing houses, did not know where to go to develop yeah. their products. 
And so now it becomes this thing where they don't even need to go through me. They just need to log into a website and submit their information and get some stuff spit back out of them, right? With videos of me <laughs> telling them what to do along the way. But still, I mean, I'm just really excited about how that will allow me to reach my goal of helping a million people. Because just imagine the kind of innovations that are going to come out of that. Oh, it's like, so many things I that mean, we yeah, because change. yeah i mean i i totally agree with you i mean i think entrepreneurs entrepreneurship in general is a positive change in the world i, I don't yeah. see any other way to solve the world's problems yeah i mean you clearly need governments to be not corrupt and have a kind of a baseline uh, but that kind of entrepreneurial spirit economic activity where like local people like, oh, this is what I need. I mean, that's the reason why local businesses are so great because they meet a yeah. need of the community. In, in, yeah, in, in, I in, shop local. Yeah. I shop local all the time. Yeah. Like, there's a Starbucks and there's a coffee shop next to the Starbucks. I'm going to the coffee shop next to the Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, because it's I'm so important. Yeah. yeah, it's so important for the, um, I think it's the character of a neighborhood, a community. It's also pride. You know, if, when yeah. you're supporting your own community, and you have this sense of ownership and like the positivity that that generates. It's like game changing. Yeah, it really is game changing. And 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 so how how are you going to go about like scaling this now? You know, you're in an accelerator. Can you tell me the name of the accelerator? Uh, Tech Women Rising. Tech it's Women. actually down here in the Tampa Bay. It's actually sponsored by J.P. Morgan Chase. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. down here in the Central Florida area. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Um, I was at 500 startups and Launchpad oh, Digital. 500 startups. Yeah, yeah, was there love too. Me. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, accelerators are awesome places to meet people. And they are awesome places to learn. Yeah, like 100%. the amount of things that I've learned. It's like you say, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so the amount of things that I've learned that I've I've, I've had access to that have just made me smarter, a smarter businesswoman that, uh, that has allowed me to see this thing differently than I even saw it going in. It's critical. It's like, it literally is critical when they ask specific questions. Like if you got 100% of the market, what would that look like? And then like, okay, but you only need 4%. And you're like, yeah. right. And so it, it becomes a conversation where you're just like, this is not only possible, this is happening. Right. Like before I was in the accelerator, I was like, I'm going to build this company. It's going to be great. Now that I'm in the accelerator, I'm like, I'm about to kill it. <laughs> right. And so that's why it's important to have that leadership, that guidance, that expert mentorship. And I think that's what's missing um, for a lot of entrepreneurs just around the country. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who you can work with. You're not really sure who's credible, who's not credible. And then the ones that are like the 500 startups of the world and the Y Combinators, it's really hard to get into them, yeah, right? That's true. And so it's like, you have to be exceptional. You have to do something that stands out. And so that's why it's important for people like me who've gone through a process to come back and say, all right, now I want to help a, a million other people do this too, right? Because without that, then you have these people who are left out there sitting on these dreams that could literally change the world. And it's, you know, it's not happening. Yeah, and even if they give it a try and it doesn't work out, the experience and the skills and sort of like for the next time and the next time and then just that attitude of I can do it yeah. is so, you know, when when we mentor the kids, like I, I say, it's, you know, it, it breaks my heart, but then it fills my heart full of love when yes. I see it. Um, when it clicks in their minds that mm -hmm. they could do this, that it's not impossible, that it's literally within them, they just need 
not only opportunity, but encouragement, you know, mm-hmm. um, you just, you just feel that the world can be a better place. And then the other thing that you feel, especially if you're someone like me is like how lucky you are to have the opportunity and that all really people want is the opportunity to succeed. They, they want the level playing field so that they get the right opportunity to try to try. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, sports analogies aside, it's super powerful. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, then the world's a better place. Hands down. There, there's no doubt in my mind. And I, I just really am encouraged, not only by what a lot of entrepreneurs are doing, but especially what you're trying to do with helping mm-hmm. people who have ideas to invent things, streamline that process. And I mean, helping a million inventors is such a noble goal <laughs> that you. that I I just I you know I I want you know like there's nothing I wouldn't want to do to help you do that because I know how powerful it is when someone yeah. and especially groups of people communities that have not had that opportunity yeah when when they when they just it, it, it opens up the world. It does. It boggles it the mind. Up the, it opens up the world. And that's because mainly we, we all have different life experiences, right? Each each individual human experience is different than the next. And so where I may see a minor inconvenience, someone sees a real problem mm-hmm. that really affects the community, that if they fixed how water drained through a pipe, it would, you know, solve filtering issues which I don't have an experience with living in a penthouse, right? And so it's just like when you when you when you open up the world of people who have these different experiences, it really really does change the world. And so for me it's like I knew I could not make a million products. <laughs> like I knew that there was no way for me to change the world by making a million products, but I do know that I have the capacity to help a million people, right? Create products that even if they're not changing the world, they can just change their life, change their family's life create opportunities that weren't there before. So maybe future generations can do something to change the world, right? And it's not it's not immediate. It's something that's passed down and it, it's something that happens. It's maybe a little delayed. Um, but for me, just like you, it it opens up my heart every and every day. Every day I open up the Slack group, there is another prototype sitting in there. There's someone else who's gotten their prototype back. There's someone else who's finished their design. There's someone else whose patent has come through. There's someone else who's like crying because they're so excited about this thing. And I remember when when I first started the program, we were a much smaller group, so I could really talk to every single person all the time. There was a couple of people who went through the program, built the product, and decided not to sell it because they just got so much joy out of completing something like one was able to go on and like find a husband because she felt confident in herself. Another person (laughs) got a promotion at work because they felt confident to ask for the thing that they wanted. And they were like, I know, I know I'm supposed to be building this product and selling this product, but just the finishing of the products made me feel more confident as a person. Mm -hmm. It made me feel like I had something to offer to the world and maybe this thing isn't it, but there are other ways that it can manifest and show up in our lives. So sometimes not not all products actually make it to market. And people say, well, how many people finish your program? I'm like about 40%, which is actually really high. But most of the people who join the program, even if they don't have a product, they leave better than they came because they feel more empowered to try new things. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Well, well there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. 
This Thank has just been such a great conversation. This has been my favorite. <laughs> Good luck. This really has. This was. I really wish we could have been having coffee. I would have flew out there to San Francisco. Oh wow! Well, I was gonna <laughs> I say I'll flow out to. I, flow to I would have <laughs> coffee with you. This was awesome. I really appreciated it, and I love knowing another inventor and know that I'm going to take you up on this diary. I'm going to look for you and be like, "Here's what we need to make this goal happen." Yeah. No. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll let you know when I do. I appreciate it. I'm all in. For sure. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.